Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC To see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Varney Diglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. This is the second time we've done the intro today, and you'll never know why. This just in, we're terrible. Out of practice! And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast. We are Keith and Mike, and we are working our way through David E. Kelly's series, The Practice. Today's episode is about Season 3, Episode 9, State of Mind. It is the holiday season's... What is your state of mind, Mr. Indaglio? My state of mind is uh, things are good. Uh, lots of shopping, even though every year we promise we're not going to shop so much uh, right. because we can't possibly afford all the things we have to get. And that's not the point of the season to spend all your money, but we do it anyway. Uh, watching some great television, great movies. It's a great time for pop culture and entertainment if that's your thing. Clearly, it's your thing. You're listening to this podcast. That's true. So, just like Thanksgiving, if you have a long drive to your family's house for awkward Thanksgiving slash Christmas slash holiday slash whatever you celebrate, I hope that we can be there to make your drive just as awkward as the event you're heading towards. So Yes, indeed. Yes, you're going to be stuck in traffic, but now you're stuck in traffic and confused why you're listening to what you're listening to. That's true, but, you know... It's the most wonderful time of the year. And Keith, just like, oh my God, I was going to make a period joke, but I'm not going to do that because I'm a changed man like like, <gasps> like uh, Ebenezer, Scro- Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Guys, I'm not intoxicated. You should know that it's early here on a Saturday morning. Keith and I are recording. And so we're just waking up. I'm getting my first cup of coffee. Keith's three in with a diet soda in hand. Oh, yeah. I I, I switched to, uh, I usually do Coke Zero, but we're out. So I had a random Diet Coke can, which has been sitting in our fridge for six months from, I don't know, Chinese takeout. So I, I will say this to our listeners who have, if you've made it this far. Now, I know that some of our, our really loyal listeners some of them aren't caught up some of them are are only on the beginning of season two i know that's this true i know I this through stalking that. through stalking instagram and so uh i'm glad that people are being thorough so what i want to mention is if you're some of our loyal listeners and you've grown to love keith and i for some reason or you just tolerate us uh, that's probably more like it the world is sinking there's 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 all kinds of kismet taking place uh, not only is it Christmas time here in New York and around uh, the world, but it's Christmas time on the practice season three. So we're going to get a little bit of s- synchronicity there. But not only that, but the magic of the season. 
brought me and my wife to make a decision rashly yesterday before she went off to work to, to go right. have dinner. And so we rolled to one of our favorite places, even though we hemmed and hawed because we're like, well, it's a little bit on the pricey side, but it is. Let's let's it's that or the coffee shop, but let's let's do it up tonight. It's a Friday night. Let's go spend some time together. Well, we walk in and what are we met with? But the combination of Keith and his wife. And it was like a record scratch. Oh, I don't have that sound queued up, but a record oh, scratch. Thank God. A record scratch took place. Everyone turned to see. Could it be? Will the four of them sit and have dinner together? And yes, they will sit and have dinner together and and frivolity and laughter and tears. It was just wonderful. (laughs) uh, When you set this up, you (laughs) I knew you were going there. But what you said was, guys, the world is sinking. And <laughs> you went, you meant sinking as a, a lining, a lining, but I thought the world is sinking. I had dinner with Keith uh, and Jillian. No, no, but it was, there was other things that took place that, uh, yesterday that, that I'll bring up a little bit later, but, uh, it was, uh, it was a fun time. I, I then walked home from that dinner and I walked down 23rd Avenue here in Astoria, Queens uh, to the, our little Christmas tree. Apparently, so years, uh, I'll quickly set the scene, we've had a Christmas tree, as long as I've lived in Astoria, about seven or so, seven plus years now. No, more than that. God, I'm going on 10 years here in Astoria. Oh yeah, I've been... 2007, I think. Yeah, 2007, so that's what? Uh, That's 12 12 years. years. Oh my good God. Anyway... We've we used to have a really big Christmas tree. It was like a uh, an evergreen that was planted here. It was huge, but you know we can't have nice things. So somebody wreaked, wrecked havoc on it. You wreak havoc and then you wrecked havoc. What's the past tense of that? Oh, that's a good question. I I think rot rot havoc rot havoc wreaked havoc havoc. Uh, hmm. All right, a better podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're not that. Anyway, so this two years ago, they they planted a new one, but the park service told them they couldn't have more than eight feet. So they put a little six footer in. And so now we just as a community are watching this little tree grow. It's kind of cute. So I so after dinner last night, I strolled by and I, I looked at the tree and there's nobody there because it was 30 degrees. I don't know. No, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is I'm in the spirit, Keith. I, I'm filled oh. with the spirit. Well, you went to the lighting and ran into AOC, right? I did. I had a little chat with... Uh, uh, our, our our congresswoman and i hope that everyone that loves our talking about politics will endure me giving a a shout and my belief that she's going to be a a political star in the future i hope yes indeed yes we are uh we are two of the what three thousand people who voted for her in the primary that made her a star not only did it make her a star but i will say this and i will leave my politics out of it, even though I think my soft-shelled liberalness is well established. Guys, I we, <laughs> you just bragged about voting for AOC in a primary. I think you're out. Well, you know, I I, I don't want to get into the whole thing of it, but you know, she it was she was a long shot candidate here, to say the least. Definitely in the primary for the Congress. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty established, and but so what she was doing as all good grassroots politicians should do. She was going door to door, apartment to apartment to right. ask for votes. And she buzzed my apartment and I work from home, so I, I let her in. And, you know, a lot of people turn politicians and religious folk away. I do not. I invite them in to have a conversation. 
um, which is if you know me, you know that that's really not like me. But for some reason, I like to have conversations with. Oh those no, we folks. know you're lonely. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, she came in. <laughs> she asked if any of my other neighbors were were home, and I said no. And so she came into my apartment and and lobbied for my vote in my living room, specifically one on one. Yeah, and guess what? She got it. She asked me some of the like what my priorities were. She told me what hers were, and then she got my vote. Pretty cool. Go. Yeah. Local politics, even here uh, in New York City. It's like just it's like imagine Barack Obama sitting having a cup of coffee telling you that he wants to get money for, you know, the public libraries in your town. Uh, Mike and Deglio, I have a question for you. Uh, do you like libraries? I enjoy libraries. I, I America do, likes I do, libraries. I do, Barack. I do indeed. <laughs> what can you do about the smell of poop in the summer? Uh, poop is part of uh, America, part of a uh, natural uh, the world that we live in. We're going to have some poop. Uh, I poop. Michelle poops. The kids poop. <laughs> um, that, we, I don't know how or why, but we are having Barack back on later, because thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barack. Do you uh, watch, glad to do, be here. Do you watch the practice, Barack? Uh, uh, no. What about I Sh- do not watch television. Chicago Hope? Never watched that? I uh, like Mandy Patinkin. Uh, enjoyed his <laughs> performance in Evita. Uh, Barack- no, I don't watch that show. Barack, would you would you do me a little uh, a little che? Uh, no, I would not. <laughs> you don't want to sing uh, "High Flying Adored" as Barack Obama? Uh, I'm not sure how to do that. <laughs> uh, your request uh, was high flying ignored. Uh, uh that okay. And scene. Thank you for that. I, you made me. I think I broke. You broke me a little bit. Anyway, uh, let's get back to business. What are we doing? Yes. Well, we have some filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Michelle poops. Uh, I poop. <clears throat> That's funny. Ooh. Oh, we have heard from uh, one of our good friends, Leanne Wrights, on uh, Instagram, who posted, uh, I randomly sing the theme song throughout the day, and my husband is 1,000% done with my antics. Mm. Boy, I feel you there. I reached out to her and asked if she would uh, supply us with some audio evidence of that singing. I thought that it would be great to play on the show and i got the hardest of nose <laughs> <laughs> i think that's uh, uh, that's the right call absolutely the right call we we have so, very smart me... uh she yeah, played we... she played the fifth no that that was yeah, <laughs> that was the right legal strategy now of course my question to you is what percentage done is jen with you oh man I guess that depends on what time of day and what's happening around us at the time. How about uh, when you wanted to podcast in her bedroom before her alarm this morning? Uh, well, she was asleep, so she did not get to officially make that call. But I could tell just by uh, evidentiary experience that <laughs> it would be a bad idea. Life experience. <clears throat> okay. Well, thanks for reaching out. Uh, really appreciate it. It actually makes a big difference. And I look forward to you hearing this in uh, whenever you catch up to this episode. Well, she's on Go- season two, episode six, according to her Instagram photo. 
Okay, so, so she's she got about a year and a half. 10,000 hours of our nonsense to get to before this moment. Now, hold on. Barack, Barack, if you wanted to, to contact uh, the Out of Practice podcast or, or post about us on social media, how would you go about doing that? Uh, well, I'd reach out on uh, Gmail, uh, Out of Practice podcast at gmail.com. You can also go on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice podcast and our blog spot. Out of practice podcast.blogspot.com. It's 100% American. Uh, speaking of 100% American, Mr. Trump, thanks for joining us today. If you wanted to uh, leave us a rating uh, or, or join the jury, how would you go about doing that? You would go on to Apple Podcasts and you would write things on the computer with your tiny, tiny fingers. You just tweet it, right? <laughs> Yep, you go to our tweet storm. Uh, thank you. Hashtag uh, impotus. <laughs> okay. All right, moving on. Uh, I we, do want last notice, since this yeah. is the, our second uh, foray into this week's podcast, uh, what you didn't do in this, in this retake that people will be hearing is probably the most hyperbolic intro of all time. You said we were working our way through David E. Kelly's legendary... Series. I occasionally do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just liked the thought of, of us chronicling something legendary. It is legendary. They've won every Emmy in history. Well, that seems not correct either, but okay. That you know, I am still in okay. Trump mode. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's uh, <laughs> that all makes that makes perfect sense. Okay, well we also have something exciting today. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? We have a new jury member. Our new friend, Phoenix Cage, writes five spare tires. This is the best worst podcast since the Star Trek The Next Conversation. I can't wait for their Quantum Leap podcast, estimated to debut in five years. I'm really looking forward to finding out how many unnecessary Star Trek references Keith can pull out of it and hearing the Al is thirsty bumper. Oh, boy. So there's so much to unpack in that. It's a ton to unpack. The first thing I'd like to say is that initial initial guesses from me was that that might be my brother. And I, why, okay. I, why I say that is because when he was a professional wrestler... I'm sure that's come up in the podcast before. Uh, his his fighting name was Zero Gravity Mason Cage. Oh, uh, right. But, okay. But here is my evidence that it is not my brother. Okay. One, he spelled Cage with a C. This person spells Cage with a K. Now that's granted. That's minute. Second, there is plenty of evidence that the person who wrote this listens to our podcast. Clearly. My brother does not. There's no way my brother does that. There's no way my brother has any context to Star Trek anything. He is not right. a Star Trek guy, so he definitely does not know what that podcast is, nor would he know that this was uh, based on, that I had had the thought to do Quantum Leap had he not listened to the first few episodes. So, right. uh, this is a real person. I, it's a real person. It's very exciting. And look, to get uh, to get compared in the same review with Star Trek The Next Conversation, our progenitor and inspiration, guys, that is medium praise. Now, I want to take that right away from you, Keith. Uh, <laughs> Why is that? I don't think that 
it is a comparison as much as an acknowledgement of ripoff. <laughs> what? I mean, we're the best worst podcast the, since. The best worst. Uh, I couldn't agree. Oh, Jen is, is, Jen is dressed, which means the, the webcam's coming on. Woohoo! Uh, yes, best worst. Uh, that hashtag is being stolen because we are absolutely in agreement there. I am so proud to accept the mantle of best worst. That is amazing. Okay, well, we have uh, we've eaten up 20 minutes of your commute so far. All right, enjoy it. I hope you wrap those presents. Did you forget something, Linda? You definitely forgot something. Linda, did you forget something? Is the stove on? Guys, is your stove on? Are you sure? Did you feed the cat? Did you let the cat out? Did you let the cat in? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, man, this is terrible to do with people with borderline OCD like us. Anyway, let's talk about back in 1998, December 6th, 1998. What was going on? This day in the basement. Uh, First thing I'd like to play for you is... You know, every this this particular Christmas here in 2019, everyone's going crazy. Keith, I know you're not a huge fan, but everybody is going crazy for the newest Star Wars. Oh, yes. In fact, I mean, I, I enjoy Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it, but I'm a truck guy. I drove six hours uh, the other day on Thursday, in fact, to watch the new one with my brother and then drive back so I could be back here for work the next day. That's so really intense. Yeah. But what were we doing? What? What? were we doing on December 6th, 1998, if we were just at home and and, and we, we couldn't even foresee the ninth movie in the saga? What could possibly have been happening here? Well, let's listen to a, an actual commercial from TBS Superstation uh, on December 6th, 1998. Okay. Here they come. A timeless story of good versus evil. I am the master. A classic epic of fantastic adventure. <laughs> Now, digitally restored and enhanced. Featuring brand new scenes and special effects. The Force will be with you. Star Wars, a Wait, new so was this special edition. First? 9 Eastern to was 98 when they released the, uh, yes. the edited ones? Yes, so it was It was right before the prequels were going to come out. So they uh, were re-releasing all the original trilogy, but quote-unquote digitally remastered, and they put a couple of CGI things in, and they changed some stuff, which pissed off literally everybody. They shit it up. Yeah. Now, w- was this the first time that Han didn't shoot first? Correct. Was 98? Yes, correct. And I think they, they like put super like googly eyes on Jabba the Hutt everybody. and all kinds of crazy shit. So it, it, my point being is that it's been... S- it's never ended. This Star Wars Christmas hype has literally never gone away. There's always something. There will continue to be something. It's never the end. Let's oh, all relax. Yeah. Well, it's it's like uh, we're we're enjoying the last Star Wars movie just like we did before Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, and just like we did the last time ever, whatever the Anakin one was. Uh, I'll quickly I won't give you any sort of spoiler as to like I enjoyed the movie I thought it was great there is one thing that has started to bug me about Star Wars and it's something that Star Trek has a less of an issue with because it's not so much they're not Star Trek people aren't so much ninjas as much as you know the ultimate conceit of of Star Wars is that they're sort of magical space ninjas Jedi and Sith right like well yeah like ninja wizards ninja wizard god type 
things. And the one thing that's never improved, even though we're in just like this un- this universe of CGI and we can do everything, we can de-age people, there's all the stuff we can do. The the actual fighting in these movies is just like people going like this and laser beam shooting or them swinging bats at each other and like and con- going like this in an audio podcast. Oh yeah. True. I saw what you were doing. Yeah. I just the fight choreography has never been good and and we could have like the sword plays fun. No, it's not. It's oh. but compared to like watch John Wick or you know any sort of kung fu movie like there's like any Jet Li type there's great fight choreography choreographers out there and just yeah. it's never been something I I just feel like the action in these movies is anyway. The, but the 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 new movie's great and uh, I've enjoyed it. Okay. All right. That's well, my hot take. Uh, That's my really hot lukewarm take. hot take. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there it is. Uh, that's where you come here for lukewarm hot takes and lukewarm coffee. Yeah, that's actually true. All right. Well, I'm just I'm going to be real quick about mine because we've already gobbled up a lot of time so far. Uh, it was about this time in 1998 <laughs> when I was out in Rochester at school. Uh, I saw my first pimp. Oh, hey, welcome. Yeah, and and how did I know he was a pimp, you ask me? Bye, Jen, have a good show. Uh, how did I know he was a pimp? Because I was in the Midtown Mall in downtown Rochester, which at that point was struggling so bad, there was... (sighs) It was the storefronts in the mall were 70% like empty, just like gone. And the rest of them were filled with like, like non-named generic stores. So we had, we had one episode, episode, there was one Hallmark store. And as the only store you've ever heard of, and the rest of it was like, I've got some shoes here and a, and a. Wait, the only store you've ever, the only store you've heard of is, is the Hallmark store? The Hallmark store and everything else is like card tables and stuff they stole off a bus. Anyway, so marching down the same, the, the, the main drag of the Midtown Mall was this giant, he's probably like 6'5", 320, this big dude with a prostitute around each arm and he was wearing a bright purple suit with a fedora with a feather in the cap and you say that looks like a halloween costume of what this is something you'd see on the deuce but no it was not halloween it was a A old school 70s pimp blazing down the midtown mall and it was majestic that's awesome i uh i have way too many visuals for my own good at this juncture uh, let me. Yeah, I, I want to point out. I, I I know you have said we're going too long, but I want to point out one more uh, quick thing about synchronicity that I brought up uh, earlier. Somehow, it feels like years ago. Synchronicity, Tr- synchronicity, synchro. Uh, uh, no, no, yeah, it's synchronicity. I'm sure that's a, that's a real word. Uh, you know, at around this, so one of the best Christmases I ever had. I think I was probably f- 13, 14 years old. Uh, we had, I had this great Christmas, it was over, and then maybe like two hours after we had opened our gifts, my dad was like, hey, there's there's something behind the couch stuck back there, what is it? So I roll, run back there and I grab it, and it's this case, and inside this case is this glorious, 
glorious guitar. Oh, uh, this right. just glorious uh, Gibson Les Paul, which you should never buy for a young child. For a child. No, that's not a child's guitar. Um, in fact, I couldn't play it for a long time. I wasn't allowed to really play it. Uh, but then, I, you know, I joined my band and did all the stuff. And, and then when I was later in high school and my dad actually gave it to me, uh, it was awesome. It was just this, like, crown jewel. And when I ended up moving to New York, I had to sell it to, you know, survive uh, the mean streets here. And I always felt a little bit guilty about that, <clears throat> even though I've come to believe that that's sort of like my, what was uh, indirectly a way for my dad to help me out those first few months here. My dad passed away for, I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast before. Anyway, uh, right before we met Keith and his wife for dinner last night, uh, or randomly, I walked past a pawn shop, and there in the window is my old guitar. Not the exact guitar, but like the same model, and I I went in and I asked them to let me smell the case, and I did, and it smelled just like I remembered. And you know those sometimes smells? I wonder how many times people walk into a pawn shop, like, hey, can I smell the product? I don't know. For some reason, smells is what brings me to a certain place. It really grounds me. They say it's most connected with memory, the sense most connected with it. Oh, that's interesting. I guess because it's so visceral. Anyway, uh, so that was a cool little thing that happened yesterday as well. So that uh, also reminds me of Christmas and and, and the Wayback Machine. Now, are you sure it's not the actual one? Is there any way to tell? There would be there would be no way to tell. I, I can't remember any sort of distinguishing nicks or dents I had in it or... Uh, no, without a serial number, I, I couldn't, but <clears throat> probably not. It's also said it was not used, which seems improbable to me. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, there is, that is some pretty good synchronicity. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what was happening in the world this day in the basement. Let's, yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well. This was December 6, 1998. The top song continued yeah, to be a song I've never heard of. I'm well, it was top song multiple weeks. This is I'm Your Angel with Celine Dion and our buddy R. Kelly. This is a live performance we're listening to here. Well, we talk about the top movie, which was the week two of A Bug's Life. Took in 17 million. Guys, I'm really excited about the top, top movie next week, but I will not give any spoilers, but it's definitely superior to a Star Wars movie, if ah, you boy. know what I mean. Ah, boy. The top, uh, the paper, the Burlington Free Press, also, speaking of synchronicity, which we're going to coin, says the uh, inquiries the impeachment inquiries resolution is imminent uh oh a fascinating piece of trivia the this we're talking about the last president we had impeached william william jefferson clinton i was impeached on december 8 19 1998 so they were doing the resolutions right now uh crazy that Clinton and Trump were impeached on consecutive days in December, uh, 21 years apart. Anyway, thank you. Oh, no. I'm watching this. Here's R. Kelly singing. Hide your children. He's holding a baby. No, While he's he's singing. I shit you not in the video. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, God. I will 
No further comment on that. No. Yeek. All right. Well, that brings us to everyone's most irrelevant segment, Sports Ball. Kent Graham and Gary Brown led the Giants to victory over the Arizona Cardinals in a 23-19 game at Sun Devil Stadium. Tiki Barber caught an 87-yard touchdown. The Eagles were resting up after having beaten the St. Louis Rams 17-14 on Thursday night. Tony Banks led the 3-10 Rams against Coy Detmer and the 3-10 Eagles. Oh, that must have been fun to watch. Were we still doing Saturday games in 98 then? That was a Thursday night game, which was super rare at that point because they were not doing Thursday football. I don't know. There must have been some sort of a special thing going on then. Yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that was sports ball. It is now time to talk about the episode. This episode, entitled State of Mind, was written by David E. Kelly and Jill Goldsmith. He brought along a partner for this. Ironic that this other writer was a woman. We're going to talk about that later. She also wrote Allie McBeal, eight episodes of The Practice, wrote on Law & Order, and did four episodes of Boston Legal. Lots of David E. Kelly work. And it was directed by our good friend, Star Trek uh, prodigal son of Star Trek, Adam Nimoy, who also directed Checkmate. So, this brings us to everyone's favorite segment, as opposed to the most irrelevant segment. What does Mike think's gonna happen? (laughs) 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 How did that go? Wait, so, you were just playing the... Uh, I don't know. It's the, uh, I, we had one of those in preschool. It's an it's an African instrument you play with your thumbs. Yes, uh, I I knew the name of it at one point, but I don't want to stab a guess because that would be culturally uh, yes. Disrespectful. Please don't make a racist guess. That's that's pretty much like half of what the podcast is about. So my mom fetched this for me for Christmas last year, and uh, without fail she will ask me how much i've used it this year and the answer up until now has been zero but you have proof here why don't you play us a little christmas carol on it um well the thing is is that i usually do that theme song in g but this is tuned uh-huh. to c and so I, I was really trying to figure it out on the fly there but my theory's not good and so you ended up with also the cats knock it off the shelf daily so it's it's pretty uh-huh. bagged up and out of tune so what you got was what you just heard I, but I I would like you to play us a Christmas carol on it. Okay. It is the season. Uh. <laughs> there you go. That was better than I expected. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Well, I know the the basic rhythm of jingle bells, so there you go. <laughs> no, I mean <coughs> you, you got most of the notes right too. There's only three. <laughs> you got two out of three. Yeah, it's that's not a bad. passing grade in America. You're right. Okay, well, it is time to get to the episode. But after. I didn't. I didn't tell you what I thought. Oh shit! Right? No, it yeah. is not. <laughs> it is not time to get to the episode. I think it's actually a better tradition that I sing the theme song, but then you just plow right ahead, and I don't actually get the wager. <laughs> I guess. Um. <sighs> well, once again, the previously on has reminded me that uh, Tony Danza is still coming at us. 
Yes. He's trying to get us uh, in trouble. Uh, and uh, also, there's a there's that. Do you hear that sound? Those jingling bells. That's actually not uh, jingle bells. That's uh, a baby being shaken to death. Uh, so that's that's not jingle bell. The quote was that sound is not jingle bells. It's actually a baby being shaken to death. Well, and you made us redo the intro over a different kind of. Oh my god! I'm just saying that what we're we're not celebrating the season. We're we're being sued, and we are trying to defend a woman who maybe shook a baby to death. Wow. Uh, so my big bold prediction is that despite all of those things, we are going to get this lady off this week. Okay, we're going to get her acquitted using the very same thing that we're on trial of for. So we're going to plan B somebody in order to get the shaken baby out of uh, free for Christmas. That's my big prediction this week. Okay, fair enough. In which we're going to get to after this amazing ad. Sure did. We did indeed. Let's watch us some practice. Ladies and gentlemen, The Practice, Season 3, Episode 9, State of Mind. Ooh. Ooh. You better watch out. Okay. Oh, Frankie. They licensed some Frankie. Oh my god, she has decorated. What's this? Yeah, exactly. What is this? It's Christmas. It appears as Surely if Lucy has spent $10,000 and the first 700 years decorating the office. The people who don't like Christmas are the people who get behind in their shopping. And the reason they get behind hey, is because she's got some mistletoe on her head, Keith. It's not sneaking up in this office. She has not a under my watch. Mistletoe halo over her head. What's that on your head? Oh, it's mistletoe. My friend Elaine invented this thing. Let me see a mistletoe halo. Mistletoe halo halo mistletoe halo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty clever. Well done. <laughs> Cute, huh? Yeah. It's eleven o'clock. Why are you here? Uh, couldn't sleep. Mayfield trial. Might as well work if I'm awake. <sighs> Would it be inappropriate for Bobby chance? to hook up with Lucy? I mean, the baby died in her hands. Yes. Why are you so convinced she's guilty? She just gives me the EBGs. He's like forty. Really she's eighteen. She's He's literally yeah. her boss. Remember, she did pass the lie detector. Well, pleadings are all packed. Tis the season. Need, I'm about to go. Very well said, thanks. And thanks for um, decorating the place. It, it looks great. Well, Christmas should be Christmas. Merry Christmas. She just grabbed Christmas him Christmas and, and a kiss. Should be a kiss. The look on Mike's face is amazing. It actually is the exact same face Bobby Donald has right now. Yes. Okay, so what just happened there? Th yeah, that, is... that makes my joke 
weirder now. It sure does. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> because all right, let's analyze what just happened here. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the absurdly attractive 18-year-old secretary is dancing around decorating for Christmas with a mistletoe halo. Mistletoe halo. Halo. And uh just kissed Bobby. No, no, Bobby went in for a nice like a, a like a, a very professional kiss on the cheek. Happy, you know, nice happy holidays. Right. And then she grabbed him and did the big kiss. Now, you know want to know what this is. This is a male fantasy sequence where the guy makes out with the teenager but is sort of blameless. Yeah, I mean I will say that it's, yes, it is that, but I will allow it in this regard because he's like a hot older guy. She's the young, she's a young girl. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that she would be like, have a crush on her boss like this. It's not, but it is a very elaborate fantasy sequence, hypothetically for Mr. Kelly and his stand in. Bobby. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I will. I will. I do question. So Bobby, remember he freaked out when uh, Helen g- did the old uh, dick grab at the party, which I think justifiably so. Agreed. So he should probably is he gonna is he gonna approach this incident as kid gloves and it's just a cutesy cutesy thing, or is he gonna be a little outraged? His face tells me that he's gonna have something to say. I imagine he will. Okay. Good mistletoe. Nay. Or, or not. Wow. That's okay. Well, we are off to a we're off to a start, guys. And it's going to get also this. Meanwhile, here's my question for this sequence. Why is she wearing the mistletoe halo and her whole outfit? There's nobody else there. It's eleven o'clock at night. She got all dressed up with an excuse to kiss her all alone at night in the office. Guys, some would say that Keith is very, very, very in tune with what Lucy's wearing every episode. <laughs> he does a lot of research on Lucy's outfits. Maybe yes, should well, be wa- however, maybe should I didn't write a scene. Else. I didn't write a scene to give me an excuse to kiss her where it wouldn't be my fault. Mm. Keith is thirsty. Uh, I'm not the one who said so she, thirsty. She, Keith, she make uh, me happy. Mmm, somebody's jingling some bells over there for Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> What's with the delay? You got to try with the steak so hot. Yeah. It'd be the same as our motion to dismiss Eugene. The judge said this thing would turn on the facts. Well, what about preserving appeal? If this were going to turn on law, he would have kicked it. If we push for summary judgment, it's going to look like foot dragging. Judge Pap holds grudges. He lets the jury see him. We do not want an unfriendly judge in this trial. Let's calm down. Nobody's talking Christmassy. Every time we break, Ella every recess, I want you to go to her world. embrace. I want the jury reminded every chance we get that you believe in her. Well, absolutely. Here we have our friends Kathy okay? Baker and Frank Ashmore as her husband. We're back here. I'm in God's hands now. Evelyn. 
I know. All I'm saying is you're not in God's hands on this. You're in the jury's. And I don't want you to come across as a zealot. I get it, Bobby. Good. Okay, let's go. We got a cab waiting downstairs. It's cold. Good luck. Did you have stockings Thanks. that have everybody's name on it? I know you think Jimmy matches are best against silver, but I heard stockings. that. What? Whatever you were saying behind my back. Listen, I, I gotta get to court. We'll talk about this later. You, you think I can't do this, Eugene? I know you can do it. Bobby. Bobby. Two things. One, good luck. Two, I'm sorry if I embarrassed you. I didn't mean to. But it was an awesome kiss. Not that I have any designs, but if your lousy personal life comes from any insecurity, you should know that 90% of women are looking for a cute guy with a steady job who can kiss. You're three for three. And the male fantasy sequence continues. The teenager, the 40-year-old guy, kissed just apologized to him and told him he was hot. Michael. And you. They the suspended stealer. him from school. Yes, what? this is for Vicky Oliver and Tempest Bledsoe back as son and mom. It's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of, and, and I want to take them to court. In here. And don't you be swatting him. I'm not going to swat him. You just keep the blinds open you because know, I don't trust you. You didn't have to you. come here. You can go to any I came here for... Was, but was Tempest the mom the first time around? She was indeed, and I just realized we didn't... Relatively famous actress we forgot to credit last time. Oh, that's why I'm like, this is weird. Because we didn't tell everyone who Tempest Bledsoe is. Because she's Vanessa Huxtable from The Cosby Show. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Though I'm and sure we, she has another IMDb. She does. She also was in The Replacements, Guns with Kids, and South of Nowhere. Uh, so this was pro relatively fresh off of Cosby Show. And... It looks like she, they had her look very differently, which is probably why we didn't pick up on it. She's wearing, she's like short cropped, uh, blonde frosted hair in this. But yeah, so I, I, I can't believe we didn't really clock her. I think she only had like one line or two in the previous episodes. This is her third appearance on the show. Well, well welcome, uh, Vanessa. Yes, welcome Tempest. You don't Civilized lawyering. Anybody. <clears throat> In here, Michael. You can come. They have Sexual an irrationally antagonistic relationship. Yes. A few notes in the back of the classroom, and they bounce in. Well, what was in these notes? Not much. Just... He's got a crush on this girl, Kitty Nelson. You know, she finds one of these notes. She takes it home to her mental mother. Her mother makes a complaint, and they bounce him. What was in the notes? Just stuff. What just stuff? You know, nice ass and stuff. Nothing bad. The autopsy was conclusive. Yes. It showed Kevin Barlow died from injuries consistent with shaken baby syndrome. Doctor, is okay, so it possible that the these injuries could have been uh, caused case, by obviously. an accident? No. AKA Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells. There was extreme hemorrhaging in the oh. bilateral anterior chamber and also retinal hemorrhaging. Uh, which means? It was not an accident. The degree of force had to be severe. What about some other medical condition? Well, nothing in his prior medical records or my examination revealed any other cause for these symptoms. Is it possible to tell when the shaking occurred? 
Hmm. Well, based on the acute conditions present, Kevin's death would have been almost immediate. Okay, let's talk well, about... You found a contusion. Doctor testifying! Doctor who looks a little shaken up. No. Boo. Boo, what, I Because the victim you. was a baby, I can't make fun of it. Every other victim we tease and we cajole. <laughs> I, I think kind of yeah well too late that ship sailed <clears throat> okay that doctor is played by mel johnson jr who you would know from total recall he played the cab driver hmm. he was also on uh, fresh prince and uh don't worry he was on deep space nine where he played broca in the final two episodes of deep space nine really excellent stuff Unnecessary Star Trek reference. But I have more. Here's also a Broadway... Hey. Cool it, Picard. He was on Broadway in musicals. In the most recent revival of Kiss Me Kate, he was in the original cast of Jekyll and Hyde. He played Scar in The Lion King and was in the original cast of The Rink. You know, if you're old enough to fictitiously cry, you're old enough for a joke when you fictitiously die. <laughs> no no good uh, uh <laughs> okay i uh, 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 i Jim, will submit uh, without Kevin comment Barlow's forehead didn't you yes for the record which was about 10 days old that injury was not life-threatening and was in fact healing when he died isn't it true that a prior head injury could begin to bleed spontaneously in the brain yes but in this case that wouldn't explain the extent of the injuries well, isn't it also possible that something could have happened to Kevin just prior to being dropped off at Evelyn Mayfield's house? The likelihood of that is so negligible that... Is it possible? I suppose anything is possible, but... Uh... Thank you, Doctor. You answered the question. You know, Keith, I think it's time for an important segment. Okay. It goes a little something like this. Mike wasn't paying attention. You know what? <clears throat> this segment comes with a punishment segment. Uh-oh. I should have paid attention last oh. week. And I should have paid attention <laughs> last week. But I was coughing so much that I felt kind of weak. But it's not a better podcast. Um, I all this time thought that the baby had died in the hospital for some reason. Uh, no. So they dropped her off at the house. Oh my God. All right. <clears throat> Backing you, up. Here's you... what happened. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right. So <laughs> Keith watches these episodes like three times to take notes. I, well, I'll <laughs> pay attention to what I'm doing while I'm being recorded on the internet doing it. <laughs> uh. All right. So our uh, <laughs> defendant, played by Kathy Baker, is a babysitter. Oh, the babysitter, right? And she had this this young couple whose baby it is dropped the baby off at her house, and the baby died in her custody. And then she called the cops, and they discovered the baby. And the also in also relevant that we've heard so far is that the father of the baby has a history of abuse hmm. but 
what they're saying here is the doctor is saying that the baby died right away. So therefore, the only person with the baby when it was shaken to death was our friend Kathy. So when they called her up and they were like, hey, don't wake the baby, she just misheard them and they were like, hey, shake the baby. How possible? I'm fired. Ooh, I fire myself. Minuscule. You're fired. You're fired. The <laughs> symptoms here suggest an immediate death, not one that occurred hours later. Thank you. But that but would say that they like, don't they're like, knock, knock, here's the baby the and she shook her to death right later. away. Uh, with, we can't positively exclude like 40 it, minutes, no. I think. Thank you, doctor. Van. We have been sitting here over an hour, Rebecca. You haven't given me anything. I said that I will talk to the principal. But I have to tell you, schools are big on sexual harassment policies. Big because all these rat lawyers got them running scared of getting sued. It is a big cover-your-ass disgrace. Yes, I'll stick that argument in a footnote and not lead with it. But that does give me an idea as to how the word ass slipped into his vocabulary. You be the lawyer, all right? Not the mother. Why are you two always fighting? I am not fighting. You watch yeah, your mouth, all right, Michael? Why are you two you talk always with fighting. some respect. Plus which, she might hit you. Hey, one more word like that and you can get yourself another rat. Are See, we clear? Uh, this antagonism between these two characters makes no sense We're to me whatsoever. We're not all ophthalmologists, Doctor. Would you she explain retinal got hemorrhaging? Her son That's out when of blood vessels jail. leak into the eye. But here, there were also retinal folds, where the retinas were essentially folded over, almost like contact lenses. Huge These fan. are both indicators that a child has been forcefully shaken. Three separate fans in this scene. Now, would an individual mm. suffering from retinal folds be able to focus their eyes or respond to visual cues? Absolutely not. So then I asked Evelyn Mayfield if the baby's eyes were tracking when he came to her. She said yes. Which means what? Which means either she was lying or she killed him. Objection. Objection. Sustained. You didn't believe her. If the baby had been shaken before he came to her house, according to the doctors, it would have been impossible for him to track with his eyes like she said. If she really did see them track, he was shaken after he got there. Detective, when you use the word tracking, what do you mean? It means whether or not someone's eyes could follow a visual cue. Do we know the charge? Is it first degree she's on the stand for? She's... I believe, yeah, there's first, second, and manslaughter up. Because don't you need some sort of motive to prove one of those? Like, the babysitter just decided to kill the baby? Uh, well, I don't necessarily... Yeah, motive... We're going to get into a little bit in terms of, like, first degree... What makes first degree... And not second degree, because in first degree, you need a motive because there has to be premeditated. It has to be planned in some fashion. But there is a little exemption here we're going to talk about uh, okay. later in the episode. All right, Moving back and forth. I see. Did you explain tracking to Evelyn Mayfield when you questioned her? Did I explain it? Yes. Did you explain the term? I don't think I did, no. In fact, you didn't know if Evelyn was even familiar with that term at the time you questioned her, did you? In her statement, she said the baby's eyes were tracking. She said it. I assume she understood the meaning. Yes, she used the word tracking. But that doesn't mean she meant responsive to visual cues. Then what did she mean? We don't know, do we? Maybe just that they were open. Move to strike, she's testifying. She's testifying. She's testifying, she's testifying. Auntie M, come back. Okay, we're back. You sound like the Wicked Witch of the At West the when you object. Oh, you're Glenda. Did she understand tracking? Oh, yeah. 
and she just spattered her with cake batter. Food fight, food fight, no. girls having a food fight. David E. Kelly's gloves off. It's his holiday, and he's going to do it his way. Lucy's going to make out with Bobby. The cute girls are going to have a food fight in the kitchen. Some play fighting, some slippy slappies. Come on. Why, you know what? Let's put our bikinis on and take a bath. Come on, girl. This is exactly what's happening here. <laughs> this is going, this food fight with whipped cream and these two hot women, it is literally going to devolve into a full on fetish movie. Listen, Lindsay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I got whipped cream on your shirt. Well, just pop that sucker off there. Come on. We're all friends here. Nobody's watching. <laughs> exactly. Okay, what is happening? Put down the kiss. Put, the, put it down. Kelly Williams, write into the out of practice at out of practice podcast at gmail.com. How many takes did they shoot this? How many oh, takes did you have God. to do of the whipped cream fight? Okay. <laughs> you never should have put the candy! Oh, it's still going. Oh. It's as no, I, what a, it's going full tell. <laughs> and Bobby's there. Oh, because Bobby's got a key. Bobby's <laughs> here. Yeah, Bobby's got all right, just Full on, Bobby just walked in to their apartment. Now, literally just like opened the door, walked into through the living room, into the kitchen to watch the two hot roommates in a fetish food fight. The only now, thing that would make this scene better is if Bobby was wearing the Halo. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to have a pretty soon he's going to have a belt. What is going on? Well, what? what do you think is going on, Bobby? They're in the kitchen spraying whipped cream on each other. What? What is the mystery? Uh, the mystery is David <laughs> is thirsty. <laughs> what are you doing here? You, you weren't picking up. I need to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Now, Keith, let's talk, let's have a quick, uh, quick, quick, quick conversation. Okay. Yes. If I text you like ten times. Right. Well, let's not let's not be excessive. Let's say I text you three times. I called you okay. twice, and you didn't pick up. My next step would so be to just pretty walk much every into day? your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm just, all right, I'm going to go over. I'm going to walk into your apartment and into your kitchen while you're having a private fetish video. How would you and or your wife respond if I just was in your apartment having not knocked or anything? I think I'd probably just hit you with a chair. You wouldn't like spray whip, you. you wouldn't spray whipped cream on me? I would not this initiate the threesome that you clearly were there for. In my room. <laughs> oh. What's the matter? Like for real. It's father. What he goes the up hell? tomorrow. Yeah, so? How important do you think it is that we go after him? Like maybe he killed his son. So the other conflict of interest that never gets discussed is so now they're going to have a professional conversation about a case that the uh, the prosecuting district attorney is literally in the next bedroom over. Right. I hadn't even thought about that. And also, like, continuing a conversation we've been having for two episodes, it was so important that I broke into your house <laughs> to continue this conversation we've had and only say things we've said before already on the show. How important? Hello, that's our whole theory. Lindsay, next week we go on trial for accusing the Robin kid of killing his sister. Now, if we plan B, the father tomorrow, on this case, guaranteed Tommy Silva to, do, to will be making a big meal exposition for the audience who missed look. last episode. We screamed that a brother killed his sister. Well, I mean, 
So me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> for being, if all, all things equal. <laughs> to recap for Mike and Deglio. Yeah. In fact, they're like, let's let's make a scene for Mike. Let's uh, make the cute girls spray each other with food fight. Uh, right. And then, whilst that's happening, uh, recap what's happened over the pe- past three episodes just to get Mike up to speed. It's almost after, perfectly shot for me. Yeah. After you had a scene where you could credibly imagine making out with Gia. Right. Yeah. Okay. We've we've ticked all the boxes here. <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. Sister, now a father killed his son? They're two different cases. Even so. Alstwal, proving my prediction correct. They're going to plan B somebody in this case. That's right. This is, this is your episode, man. Look, we can't get out of Evelyn's trial now. We've already started, and we can't not go after the father. That's our defense. Look at the just glob. Hold on. While she's saying that last line, just look at the nasty glob of whipped cream in her ear. Like, how did she do this scene? father killed his son? They're two different cases. (laughs) Even so. Look, we can't get out of Evelyn's trial now. We've already started, and we can't not go after the father. uh, That's our defense. It's really striking. The only choice here is to settle the Robin lawsuit, which is what I've been saying all along. And beyond that, Jimmy... Absurd. He's a good lawyer. Do you get a screen cap of her like that? But because I think that needs to go. Everybody's on having there. a hard time with you putting <clears throat> our survival in Probably his already hands. is. Eleanor and Eugene can't do it. They're involved. Well, then get outside. Can- it, it literally looks like Ben Stiller in something about Mary in that particular scene. It's really. You know the one where his uh, goodness is yeah, hanging from yeah, his ear. Yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. I, look, everyone yeah, listening I'll to I'll this is an you adult. Me. You know exactly Not what Jimmy. it looks like. We don't need to go further. He just wiped some of it off of her face. You've got a little baby batter right there on your chin. Oh, Jesus Lord, no! I just gave us a reason not to say that. Oh, now he decided it's time to talk about their personal kiss from the Pearson trial. Right. Should we talk about No. Yeah, he's at her house. Why are you bringing it up now when we're in the middle of another trial? I don't know. It's just uh, because you're food fought, you're flush, and I'm here. I broke in. I might as well. I might as well seal the deal. I broke into your house. <laughs> I can't. I broke into your house, found the male fantasy, which never exists. I because I I always have a joke with Jillian about this because like I'm like yeah every any time two women are together they're just like in pillow fights in their underwear and rubbing their boobs together yeah. right and she's like no, no well, I, never, I decided to come over now thing. because you're clearly in need of a shower so i figured now was a good time i mean I've, i showered with your roommate already yeah it's not something you want we're to all here we're all dirty let's i mean not right now no. conserve some water this episode is okay. a mess literally literally figuratively, figuratively. <sighs> i'll see you tomorrow And then that's the scoring we get to this as she looks back into the mirror. Keith, only about 15 minutes in here. Not even that, probably. Remember yes. when you said yesterday, like, oh, we're just going to get right through this episode. I my no son problem. Off at Evelyn Mayfield's house that day. On my uh, way to this the episode's office. fighting to get above a five thus far. What time did you drop him off? Fan. It was around 8.30 in the morning. About an hour and a half later, I got a call from the hospital saying that Kevin was, that my son was dead. Sir, the defendant claims your son was crying when you delivered him to her. 
He was hungry, but he wasn't upset or... Physically, he was okay. He was fine. Guy who definitely shook his baby. He shake a shake a shake a me happy. Can you? Can I be rehired to be fired again? <laughs> I just wanted you to sit in dead air and think about what you did. Think about what you've done, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, that guy who shook his baby clearly is Ken Abraham from ER NYPD Blue, The Shield. He also played a different character on Ali McBeal. He did a ton of 80s horror movies, including Creepazoids, Terror Night, Vampire Nights, Hobgoblins. And now he is primarily a reality TV editor. Well, he decided, yes, he, he made the right he made the right decision. From the time you left your house that day and arrived at Evelyn Mayfield's, you and Kevin were alone together. Is that correct? Yes. There were no witnesses, no one else present during the 20 minutes before you arrived at Evelyn's. Witnesses to what? Me behind the wheel and Kevin in the child seat and back? Well, when you arrived at Evelyn's that particular morning, Kevin was crying uncontrollably. He was not crying uncontrollably, counsel. He was just crying. Why was he crying? He was probably hungry. There was a contusion on Kevin's forehead. You know anything about that? He hit his head on a coffee table. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, we see Tony Danza is in the stand right before he plays. You didn't hit him. your son, Mr. Barlow? Objection. I certainly did not. Ever beat your wife? Objection. Offer to show that this man has a history of violent behavior. to strike. The objection is overruled. Mr. Barlow, were you arrested for domestic battery stemming from Wait, an altercation between... why is that overruled? Between- like, how was... Like... <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm surprised that Helen wouldn't put up... I mean, she tried, but put up more of a fight introducing the prior abuse. Hey. Because he's he's not the uh, he's not the defendant. How is this admissible? Uh, because it's the holidays. Instead of uh, being overruled, if you are overruled, you will be shot with whipped cream. Uh, but if you are sustained, you will get to give a kiss to anyone wearing a mistletoe halo. Were you doing a little you Obama and there? your wife? That was a long time ago. That was a yes. Yes, Maybe. Maybe. hit her. I lost my temper. You hit her. Yes. Open hand or fist. Oh, Tony Danza! Open hand or fist, Very happy that the plan be in. Open hand or fist? Fist. Ever hit your son Kevin with an open hand or fist? Objection, it's badgering. All right, counsel. Did you hurt your son? Counsel, dial it back. If it's no, Mr. Barlow, all you have to say is no. Keith, why don't we have a plan B uh, number? Every time someone's plan B. Hurt my son. Yeah, we're going to need one at this point. We have a lot of bumpers I gotta get to. You almost had him. I could see his face getting red. You think I should have gone harder? Shh. Pretty interesting strategy in there. Plan B, right? Hey, Tommy, what the hell do you think you're doing? All right. Sticking your nose in a criminal trial for the purpose of a civil case? Maybe I should report you to the bar. Why I'm just in there watching. Right now, you're talking. Shot. All right. What's this, your only case? No, my biggest. Come on. It's like Come the, on. It's, I think it might be the, the boom. I think it's the totally they was Tony from behind, but, but he they said in school policy. Put another so light in so that court Bobby if wouldn't that's be in what shadow. you want to do. I do. Okay. When? Because he is missing school now. It's already scheduled. We go tomorrow. We meet here at nine, then go. All right. Just so we're clear, you don't talk. What if the judge asks me something? I will try to prevent that from happening. Trust me. Don't be getting snide with me. 
Are they sisters? Hey, how'd you do? Uh, he's dead on the right, I, it's... And is that an elf <clears> on the shelf? I'll get into it later, but I have a thought on that. Okay. What's up, Jimmy? Control. Helen probably sat on him, and Silva was there taking notes. Oh, I got a meeting with him tomorrow. Silva? See if I could find his squeal point. We know each other some, so... <clears throat> Good. Lucy, in my office. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh-oh. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, a Christmas disaster. Mike's internet is back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a Christmas disaster. Uh-oh, hold on. I don't know what could be... Oh, God. Oh, God. What's happening? Christmas spirit or you just trying to bolster my self-confidence. I don't think that we should... Be kissing. I know. I didn't plan to. Something just came over me. What came over you? The script. I'm sorry? Oh, Bobby, maybe your tongue didn't hold its own, but didn't exactly recoil either. You like buttons? What? I'm the cute-as-a-button type. Some guys go for it. Figured you for models. Anyways, you're in trial. These are not issues you should be talking about, as Miss Shake and Bake's about to be cooked. You do back in 20, by the way. So, Keith, correct me if I'm wrong. She just completely sexually harassed him. And then talked her way out of it <clears throat> by sexually harassing him some more and basically accusing him of sexual harassment to get herself out of it. It's pretty pretty conniving, actually. Well, kind of. Well, the thing is, like, I, yeah, I mean, because she's the subordinate, it definitely changes the dynamic. But it's uh, it, it all feels like this convoluted way to let Bobby get away with it. Well, he didn't... What was he going to do? Well, I, I, actually, not Bobby. This, again, like, it, it feels very much like the writer trying to figure out, like, in what situation could I make out with Lucy? Let me create a situation where yeah, I Yeah, it's like he that. got a dare when they hired her. It's like, how are you going to get Bobby to make out with her? And he's like, oh, I'll find a way. I'll find a way. I just like that it got you to use the word suborn. Subordinate. Yes. That bird well, you know, subordinate was subordinate an accident. Two what very happened? Things. I just turned my back for a minute and Nerd. he bumped his head wait, on the wait, coffee wait, wait, table. Hold on. Hold on. I deserve this. I totally deserve it. <laughs> Keith is pompous. Keith, is it me or is that Stan Lee in the jury? It looks a lot like Stan Lee, but I think it's just some random sex offender. Mrs. Barlow. <laughs> Did your son have any guy. other injuries or medical his family, problems? He think of his family. Kind? Look at the glasses he's no. wearing. It's his own fault. My client had been caring glasses. for Kevin for over you know what three months. You know what Is I mean. Right? Yes. My husband and I both work days, so she watched him Monday through Friday. And over the course of the three months that Evelyn Mayfield was watching Kevin, he always seemed well cared for. Yes. In fact, Tracy you Wilson, described her mother. to your friends. As a great caretaker, didn't you? I've changed my position on that, Mr. Donnell. Mrs. Barlow, honest answer. You don't know what happened once Kevin left your house that morning, do you? If you're suggesting that my husband could have been involved, I absolutely know you're wrong. Because you have his word. And because I know him. (laughs) 
Were you injured when he struck you? Objection. Overruled. Did he hurt you? That was a long time ago. The question was when you went to the police station and filed a complaint for domestic battery, had you been injured? I had a small cutter, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I'm sure he has the police report with pictures. And yeah. here's a photo. I'll show you these photographs. Marked defense wow, exhibits it. one through three. Oh, she got her ass beat. For identification. Dad seems nice. Doesn't Dad look like that Patri- uh, Patriots linebacker, Teddy Bruschi? Oh, Teddy Bruschi. He totally does look like Teddy Bruschi. Do you recognize what they depict? Yeah, that time my husband punched me in the face. That's me. Bunch of times? With a small cut. Lindsay spends the morning with character witnesses, people from the church mostly, parents of kids you've taken care of. I don't expect them to be cross-examined. After lunch, it'll be you. Okay. Okay, here we go to the stand. You ready? I just tell the truth. Well, it's not gonna be that simple, Evelyn. Helen Gamble is good. In bed. And she can be pretty vicious. In bed. She can, Lindsay, let's admit it. Now, the big one. In bed. Those 40 minutes, you said you called 911 about 20 minutes after the baby was dropped off. But the call didn't come in till after 10. Keith! That's the whole... <laughs> it's Christmas! Have you given that any more thought? No, no. All I can I, say I, I was is what just I waiting remember. for the next statement to make the Maybe joke. I, I was preparing what I he was going to say. May- now, guys, my Christmas miracle will be when Keith inevitably calls me an hour and a half after we record this and asks me, do you think we should take out that part where I just made that joke and it sounded sort of like I said, put the baby in bed and should we just cut that out of the episode? People are going to think I'm weird. And I'll say, no, Keith, it's a joke. It's clearly a joke. We're totally okay. And he's going to say, no, no, no. And then uh, I'll listen to the episode next week and he'll have taken it out himself. In bed. may not sound believable. What should I do? Should I make something up? No. Well, what, they're, they're going to convict me of murder because I lost track of time? Yes, it could come down to that. Look, an 11-month-old boy was killed. The jury is going to hold somebody accountable. But it wasn't me. You were the last one with him. Everyone at home right now is thinking about, is waiting on pins and needles for one of us to say, in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, we've put a moratorium on it. We will not be saying it any any further in this episode. But you, in your car, on your way home to your family, can say it. Yep. In be bed. prepared to be hit on those 40 minutes. In bed. <laughs> you know, far be it for me to suggest this since you all hammered me the last time. In but, bed. But what? Okay, that's it. That's it. This is a deja vu to the Vogelman trial. Last seen with the victim, it has to be her. So? So, you've got the same public pressure on the DA's office. They need to get this conviction. Evelyn Mayfield is the only one they could possibly get it against, so she's the one that they're going after. As much as you hated me for torpedoing Helen, you could do it again. Oh, you're going to torpedo Helen again? Call her as a witness. Get the same testimony. Sometimes the choice of Eleanor who they go is after is linked to who they think they can convict. I know. It's ass backwards. 
we can't call Helen as a witness. First, it would be a mistrial. Second, there's so. Would a mistrial really be that bad? Where are you? I don't know. But we're not calling Helen. Well, we can't call Helen because if Lindsay doesn't want to get back together with me, my only option is to go back to Helen. Also, those there's no reason to call her. I'll just walk, walk into in. her house. <laughs> Zing. It's another card you can play. Night. You remember like four or five episodes ago when Eleanor was like really not sure whether she could do this anymore? Well, damned if she didn't make a decision because she is as cutthroat as ever now. She's like, you know what? I ain't got two fucks to give. Yeah, well, that's the pattern. Everyone goes through the cycle of not giving a fuck and then they question everything and then they don't give a fuck. That's that's what we do on the practice. That's what we do. Where do you think we are? Well, I think she's innocent, Bobby. But the truth is, I don't know it. If the jury's where I am, we have reasonable doubt. Bobby is doing a lot of staring off into the distance this episode. Yeah. It's a note. Passing a note in the back of a classroom. A note containing a sexual description that She's got a nice ass. It's sexual objectification. Oh, come on. And as silly as it may seem, the policy at Brockton is no different from every other school across this country. That only makes it more ridiculous. He's 10 years old. Kids write on bathroom walls. Kids pass notes. And what if he should do more than that? What if he commits a sexual assault? Well, then you suspend him, but for a note, you don't suspend The point is the school has notice of the note and therefore could be held liable if his behavior escalates. I knew it. This is just some cover-your-ass lawyers. Ms. Baylor? Your Honor, we are getting carried away here. Now, are you saying that your client is being treated unfairly under the policy? Okay, or hold that on. We need to do two of these. Oh, oh, damn, I did the wrong one. Wow. Wow, that was I love that you say that you're like, it's so ingrained in you that you just sang the judge. You sang the theme song we already have. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, you know what it is? Because we're the best, worst podcast in the (laughs) world. We are the best, worst podcast. And also, I just realized it's one o'clock and I haven't eaten anything yet, so... I'm going to get so bad by the end of this episode. Mm, maybe some anyway. whipped, What do you think? Some whipped cream, maybe? Some cookies? <laughs> we'll spray them around a little bit. Oh, boy. That lawyer is David Bowie. Not the one you're thinking. Uh, he has done a ton of voiceover commercial work. He's also been in Mad Men, House, The Rock, UHF, The Cable Guy, and on Deep Space Nine, he was Basso in Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night. Uh, Unnecessary Star Trek reference. (coughs) Meanwhile, that judge... That judge is John Gowans who you know from Charmed, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Murder, She Wrote, Doogie Howser, and Star Trek The oh, Motion Picture. John Lennon. Hold on. It's, what it's, are tis, you listening to? the season, baby. You'll get it. Peace on Earth. 
Can it be Years from now Perhaps we'll see David Bowie indeed Oh, I forgot that was David Bowie Yeah. Well, he's not uh, a lawyer in this case Oh, okay, honest mistake See, itself is unfair I am saying, if we are at the point where girls and boys can't talk to each other at school, if they can get suspended for passing notes, what is yeah, going nuts. on? Terrorist threat, maybe. I don't want to settle for nothing, but I try to sell four. Four hundred's not going to do it, Jimmy. Tommy, even if you win, you're looking at automatic appeal. This case is threshold. Suppose the jury gives you a million. End of the day, present day value of four. Turns out to be more. Mm, I understand. Off the record? Of course. My client's wealthy. He's dying of cancer. It's not about money. He wants you guys out of business. At first, I thought he'd take him. Yeah, it's good. The clients come in mad, then they settle down. You know how it is. But he ain't settling down. He wants you guys selling your furniture. Client comes to me with that kind of revenge on his mind. I tell him, go get another lawyer. Oh, come on, Jimmy. Look what they did to this kid. You wouldn't take this case? <laughs> Jimmy's really Jimmy sizing him up would. there. <clears throat> I just had a sense that something wasn't right. Kevin usually didn't cry like that. How long did he cry for? Maybe 10 or 20 minutes or so. And then he finally stopped. So I put him down for his nap. And when did you realize that, that something was wrong? I checked on him about 15 minutes later, and he wasn't breathing. What'd you do? I tried to give him CPR, but it, it just wasn't working. He wouldn't breathe. So I, I called 911, and finally the ambulance came. Now, Evelyn, the baby arrives at 8.30. 20 minutes of crying, 15 minute nap. You called 911 at 10.07. That leaves 40 minutes unaccounted for. Maybe he cried longer, maybe he napped longer, or, or got there later. I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how long I did CPR before I called. And also, I, I was in shock, maybe. I, I, I guess the time frames could be off. But I never harmed that child. And the idea that I could have... Forty minutes. It's kind of a lot to be off by. I've done my best to explain it. You are in some shock. Is it possible you maybe blocked out some time in your mind? I'm sorry? Something happened which you've blocked out of your mind. I don't think that's the case. Oh, it was such a traumatic event. Certainly it's the first time you've ever discovered an unconscious baby, isn't it? No. Oh, shit. There was another one. A few years back. And I saved that baby performing CPR. You did? So you have experience with Whoa. reacting to crisis? Yes. Oh, so shit. seeing a baby not breathing, that wouldn't be so horrific to cause you to block out time. That's right. What if you killed that baby? Objection! Overruled. You don't have any experience doing that, do you? Keith, she's getting C-sharped. C-flatted. She... C-flatted. No, she's getting C-flatted. I don't know what that means. Oh, all right. Now I get it. She's getting plan B. That's a bad joke that I messed up twice. 
Well, and also, it's not a plan B because she's the defendant, so it's a plan A at best. Hmm. Hmm. I'm I'm about to go to my fridge, get some whipped cream, (laughs) and start a food fight that you're not going to like, Keith. I'm definitely not going to like it. (laughs) No. I do not. Because all I have in there scamble. is mustard. Think you might block that out? I did not harm <laughs> and that And some like baby. old mayo. <laughs> oh, I'm going to vomit. You know, something else struck me as funny. You never called Mr. and Mrs. Barlow to tell them what happened, did you? The police called them. Yes, much later. But why didn't you? You're babysitting their child. He dies. Oh. You don't call? Everything was was happening so hmm. fast. I, I, I was going to call them. The first thing was trying to save him. Yes, but why didn't you call them after you called the ambulance to let these people know what had happened? Because our baby was was dead, I was afraid. Or after they took Kevin away. Was there another reason why you didn't call? Is it possible that the reason you didn't call was because you couldn't bear to face them? Because your conscience knew the truth about what you did? No, that is not possible. I mean, to be fair, I couldn't bear to face him even if I didn't do it. Manslaughter's still good. You just gave us grounds for appeal, prior bad act. That wasn't a bad act. She saved that other child, plus she opened the door. She did not. Just take manslaughter. She didn't hit any home run in there. She's not going to take manslaughter. She will if you tell her to. I won't tell her to, and I don't think that you made the elements. Look, this could go either way. We all know that. Well, Bobby lied, because what have we learned from the practice? He has to offer it to her. They have to offer every deal, right? That's true, yeah. See, Mike was paying attention. Why do you want to risk life? Manslaughter, she's out in five. You want to stay up all night working on a closing argument? You guys ever get tired? Excuse me a sec. Wait, so just in case you weren't paying attention, she just said, hey, you should settle this murder trial, this baby murder trial, because you don't want to do a lot of paperwork and make a closing. It's almost as if she's speaking directly to me. Would you settle a murder trial hey, so Bobby, as not to have I'm to write a closing? It sounds like something I'd do. Oh, a thousand legal. percent. Yeah, yeah. How much of her testimony did you hear? The most, I think. You believe her? I don't know. But I don't disbelieve her. They're offering manslaughter. I wouldn't. Really? I don't think they made their case. Not on murder. Cool beat. Pretty soon That's a cool it'll beat. be illegal for a boy yeah. to give a girl a flower. I share the petitioner's concern. I also share the notion that a school is a child's first introduction to society. It should be no less sexually charged just because they're children. In fact, because they're children, Maybe these school policies are our best hope of one day curtailing gender hostility and discrimination. We're quick to say education beats retribution. So let the schools try to educate. I'm upholding the suspension. You gotta be kidding me. Roberta. The world has gone upside down. I agree. The world's gone upside down. This is, yeah, this is a really interesting... But since passing a note as an adult could cost him a lot of money and even his job, maybe it's best to give him the message now. And maybe it's time to change a stupid, ridiculous, god-awful, laugh-out-loud, dumb law. 
There's always that. Right. So the keys to Captain he testified possible death. The point that the show is making here is that it's a good idea to teach these lessons early, which I think makes sense, but also that sexual harassment laws are stupid and upside down. Mm. Correct. This is not aging. This it's like a pre-bottle to Me Too right here, which is pretty not aging so hot. Wasn't immediate. Remote. The likelihood. He said possible. You just keep hammering possible, possible, possible. <sighs> doubt, 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 doubt. I'm leaving. If my father knew the hours I kept here. Lucy, what's your father do? He drives a cab. Why? Nothing. And um, what about your mother? She's dead. Does Lucy still live with her parents? I didn't mean to. Oh, this is getting worse. I've heard you say parents. Yeah, well, sometimes I include step thing. Why are you looking at me funny? I'm not. Um. Character moment for Lucy. Nice. Give her a Christmas bonus, Bobby. No, no, no. I meant that legitimately. I meant that sincerely. She seems like she's gone through it. We have to stand reasonable doubt, Bobby. We can't just try to argue the father did it. I know. Can I ask you something? Are we a couple? What? I mean, a couple in waiting. We've kissed. We... What are we doing? Or not doing? What's going on? Are you dying? Why is it suddenly coming up? Well, isn't it strange that we don't address? Well, it, unfortunately, it's been up since I was at your apartment last week, and, and all this blood flow is really starting to make me concerned physically, so I figured we should really clear this up now. <clears throat> yeah, it's got some priapism there. But here's the thing. This conversation isn't a, hey, do you want to be with me? Coming off of the conversation with Lucy, this isn't a, you know, hey, do you want to be with me or not? This is like, hey, is it okay if I bang the 19-year-old secretary? Oh, I definitely thought, well, yeah, I don't disagree. Because I did hear, I thought he was going to be like, hey, do you think something's up with Lucy? Like, is she, is she okay? Do you think her family... Like, is it cool if I hit that? That's, that's totally what this is. It's, it's, no, I can't... Obviously, we sustained. have feelings. You're asking me if it's strange that you don't address your feelings? Was I just insulted? Bobby, I was in love with you once. Whoa. Maybe I still am, but I don't think... Whoa. What? Do you really want to get into this? Yeah. No. I brought it up. This isn't a great life. Great job. But life? Yeah. I need somebody to pull me out of this a little. And whatever you may be, you'll never be that. No, no. I, 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 I ascertain that I will never pull out. So I feel like I'm a perfect fit. Boo! No, that was inappropriate. I, that's bad yeah I, I apologize ladies and gentlemen i've taken some time at this end of year time to think about my behavior and think about what i've put out into the world through this podcast and i i sincerely apologize for just being i mean terrible and and i'm for all things and i'm sorry yeah. in fact i hope that bobby does practice safe sex with Lindsay when they inevitably bang before the end of this episode <laughs> fair enough so you heard it here first guys. a couple in waiting truth I could fall in love with you all over again if I let myself 
male fantasy part two. All of these hot, attractive ladies are just waiting for you. Yeah, but there's a difference. It's a male fantasy if you're not hot as hell like Bobby Donald. But if you are, that's just life, baby. Well, but the, that's just life. The male fantasy as the writer is to cast your stand-in to be that hot too. So that's part of the fantasy. Ah, uh, Bobby. Ah, uh, Bobby. E-I-E-I. Mmm. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I Your think you need a sandwich. medical expert told you that it was possible the injury could have occurred oh, wait, wait, wait. before. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. For the defense, Bobby McDonald. Or Kevin Barlow arrived like at times. Evelyn's house that day. He told you that. Possible. Kevin's father was alone with him. Did he shake him? We certainly have no evidence that he did. No witnesses. But they have no proof that he didn't. Do they? And he does have a history of violence. Evelyn Mayfield doesn't. You heard witness after witness after witness tell you they've never seen a hint of violence in this woman, or even anger for that matter. Their whole case is that she was with the baby at the time of death. Why their own doctor says the injury could have preceded the boy coming into my client's custody. Reasonable doubt. The doctor's testimony was that it was a virtual certainty that the baby's death was immediate. Oh, sure, they seize upon that word, possible. It's a great word because it's so difficult to disprove a negative. Possible. Well, anything's possible, I guess. Anything's possible. But that doctor told you that the baby's death was immediate and the defense has done nothing to contradict it. Maybe Evelyn Mayfield really does believe she didn't do this. Sometimes psychic anguish can just block out all memory. It's been known to happen. But she did do it. And deep down, she knows she did it. That's why she didn't call the parents. That's why she froze on the stand. And when all these people from her church march up there and say, Oh, she couldn't have, she couldn't have. Well, it probably makes it easier for her to think. She couldn't have. The death was immediate. She was the only one there. She cannot account for 40 minutes. 40 minutes of blank time which coincides with the time of death. Of course she did it. Still like to hear why. I couldn't sleep all night. I want to appeal. We can't appeal even if we could. What I don't particularly like, and we'll talk about it at, at, during Tires, is that uh, from the beginning of the presentation of that case to an episode ago to its conclusion now at closing, we were given no extra facts. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, we heard about that. Okay, the, the sort of MacGuffin of her her prior baby she saved and the dad being abusive but 
like nothing further. You know what I mean? It's it's like we weren't doled out a little bit at a time. So it's sort of it, it hasn't progressed a lot. Yeah. Well, it 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 feels like those two MacGuffins, as you say, weren't really explored. Right. I would I would like to explore those a little bit more, as opposed to just have them be referenced and not really made part of the story. Yeah. It's it's really just you did it. No, I didn't. That's what it's been right. this whole case. Right. He's a good and, and even kid. like the religious Everybody's aspect. Right. Isn't. That was a MacGuffin too. Are you okay? What chance has he got? You know, I try to get him to stop stealing. And the best way to do that is to keep him in school. But the school throws him out. And the courts won't help me. I'm all by myself. His dad only comes to see him on weekends. And I try. Hey, hey. Nobody is blaming you here. He's getting away from me. You know, the last couple of years, he is a good kid. And now he's out stealing bikes. He needs something I can't give. And I don't know what to do about that. (laughs) I think that's a really important scene there, but also because we have... It's she and Rebecca and Eugene What's up? witnessing that scene Listen, as everyone's nervous three about black you characters. The because trial. I think there's a huge Me, racial I think you can do double standard here. Partners meeting later. A partner's meeting. Hold Our on. Pause one. it. Where are you? Oh, there you are. I'm here, buddy. Uh, there's a huge racial sta- uh, double standard there because all the things this kid did, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote that note saying this girl had a good ass. He stole a bike. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I did all those same things, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I was a good kid, and like you know, I did all that stuff. But because I was a white kid growing up in a, you know, in Vermont, you know, stuff like that goes down. Hey, boys will be boys, whatever. You know, he'll figure it out. Or they'll try to but, get you extra help. They'll be like, oh, maybe you're reaching oh, they'll, out oh, they'll attention. Get, yeah, they'll get help. They'll, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. But for, you know, a black kid, all of us, you know, like he's getting tried as an adult, and this becomes like he. The same behavior is a is treated much differently by the system and by the legal system, by the school system, by everybody. So I understand why that you know the mother there is is so terrified. Whereas my mother, I'll go that she really didn't know about any of those things. She would have she would have punished me, but not been like nervous for my life. I think that, and I don't think this is a radical thing to say. I think that David E. Kelly has proven his writing staff, and and maybe it's because of the ensemble of actors he has, that you know maybe they give feedback, maybe not. I think he has a much better handle of handling and writing uh, about race relations than sexual mm-hmm. relations, I think. It's, I, I think, think it's fair to say. Uh, yeah, I, I, do, I think that is fair to say. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of squishy stuff as it relates to uh, sex and gender in the show that feels more dated than the racial politics. And of course, you know, what the fuck do we know? Right. <laughs> I'd love, you know, as two white dudes talking about, Oh, they, they really nailed the racial politics. Like what the fuck do we know? But it seems to be the case. Well, I, I the, the discussions seem a little bit more, uh, taken a little bit more respectfully than a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the times it's hard to, 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 to get a lot of, respect when it comes to sexual relations and your writing when you, you have the kind of scenes that you and I make fun of all the time in the, in the show. And yeah, well and and, and the show <laughs> takes 
the the racial issue seriously, and I think it sort of tosses off or is a is a little bit dismissive of the gender politics. So uh, I'm going to restart that scene with Bobby and Jimmy discussing the settlement uh, because I I forgot to pause. What's up? Listen, everyone's nervous about you doing the Robin trial. Me? I think you can do it. Way to fill a guy with confidence. A partner's me. Our first one. In honor of me. I expect to get voted down, but tell me how you plan to try it. Does it matter? It might. Tommy Silver's gonna get up there and try to separate himself from lawyers. I think he's gonna try to get the jury to send a message. I plan to be more of a little guy than Tommy. Played simple. Tell him we had an innocent man faced with losing his life. And we fought for him. Bobby, we gotta go. Verdict? We can call to Chambers. Ooh, here we go. I just received a question from the jury. I'll tell you how I plan to respond and then give counsel for the state and the defense the opportunity to make any comments or objections. Question is... is judge. Judge is damn Well, actually, it's two questions. First, they would like to know if they can have more water. Second, they would like to know if killing an infant in and of itself constitutes extreme cruelty. That's probably not good. Manslaughter still on the table? Yeah, right. Might be time. Uh, my lawyers look like so, that. I would be shitting myself. What's going on? <laughs> yes. They're deciding between murder one and murder two. Great reaction. The question was about extreme cruelty. One of the elements necessary for the first degree charge. Well, maybe they just didn't understand it. That isn't it. They're not deciding between guilt or innocence anymore. It's between first and second degree. I doubt that the DA would be even willing to offer manslaughter right now, but... I should at least try. No. Evelyn. I'm not going to agree to manslaughter. What is Are wrong you with even you? listening to what I'm telling you? God won't let them convict me. Oh, boy. I know he won't. I know it. Listen, I think God has dropped the ball here. Either that or Helen Gamble got to him. You need to prepare got to yourself. God. It's not going to happen. Oh. Whoa. He's going to take care of me. Keith. That's mm-hmm. a... Well, back that up. That's a really cool little no, if you beat could excuse for Kathy Baker there. Because she goes from zero to a you thousand need to back to zero. It's not going to happen! Keith, I really think we need to... The ball here. I think that Either we that need to Either that or Helen start Gamble got to him. You need to prepare doing yourself. Doing a better podcast. Oh, damn, I couldn't time it right. 
<laughs> I see what you're I'm trying do to do. Though. I'm going to do it again. Podcast would have gotten Helen that right. Gamble got to him. You need to prepare yourself. Not- Damn it! I can't get it. <laughs> we need to make a better. Po- and we're going to make everyone wait. We need to make a better podcast. Yeah. What could happen? There we go. <laughs> Close enough. Now Mikey thinks she did it. He's going to take care of me. Well, she's certainly now, a lot more cooking me, there than. I need to pray. All things being equal, whether she did it or not, she's sure as hell going to prison for it. Maybe we should listen to what he's trying to say here. I need to pray. Pray the murder away. Yikes. Though, from acting and writing and, and, and framing and staging and everything be equal, it seems to me like she's pretty sincere in her his in her devotion in her devoutness so i think i believe her when she thinks god's going to protect her here but it also seems like i would believe her to that she didn't do it you know what i mean well i believe that she didn't do it before she certainly demonstrated a capacity for unprovoked abrupt rage mm-hmm. I mean, not unprovoked. It's just I would be angry too. It's just kind of it's, a. It's not a great mystery. It's it. See, I like mysteries sort of when you're given all the puzzle pieces and then you've got to figure it out. Versus this is sort of just seems a little bit manipulated to. Oh, we don't want you to know. So it's possible she's got these rages of anger. The oh the hut, but the husband's also been abusive. Oh, but she's really really. You know, you were given a lot of the stuff. None of it is particularly clear. Yeah, uh, well, they're they're. Th- they're throwing a lot of dots out there, but they're not connecting them. Right. I couldn't believe it. Her face. I mean, she had this religious blank stare. She looked like Kenneth Starr. I'm trying to tell her she's facing life in prison. Kenneth Starr. Like, Kenneth Starr. We are an impeachment I, media. I told you she was guilty. EBGB lady. Shake, rattle, and roll. Lucy. Wow. Just like you. I think you are the Lucy of this podcast. Absolutely. It's not that we don't think he's any good. Then why are we sitting here? Because this isn't just any case. Our whole future rides on it. Jimmy may be good, but he certainly isn't our best. We could hire better, get outside counsel. I've seen Tommy Silva at work. He plays the regular guy thing like a violin. That's exactly Jimmy's why we... style, I still believe, is the perfect counter. Lindsay, remember how he did in the Powerlines case? Yes. The case against us is stacked. Dead sister, brother accused... Life ruined, father dying, the evil criminal defense lawyer. This case is tailor-made for Tommy Silva. He will tap into the people's contempt for lawyers. Jimmy is a teddy bear. He's good. In my opinion, he represents our best chance. All right, why don't we just take a vote? All against. We see Eleanor, Lindsay, and Eugene are against. All four. Mine counts for two, remember? Rebecca-dee, Bobby Bobby. Rebecca, three. you're a partner too. He could take all your property away as well. Eleanor, let her make up her own mind. I'm with Bobby. Three, three. <clears throat> three to three, I decide tiebreakers. Jimmy's got the case. Wait a second. You basically it's, have three it, votes now? It's in the partnership. Well, he Jimmy will first chair. I'll be second. Who won? Hey, <laughs> I love The jury's Lose. back now. 30 minutes. Okay. 
Jimmy, quick vote. Your case. Congratulations. Hey, you'll do great, Jimmy. Good luck, buddy. Great beat by Jimmy. Straightens his tie. <clears throat> goes to work. Meanwhile, half of them lie. Try to make it look like they voted for him. Okay, verdict time. Uh, we, the jury, find the defendant guilty as hell. Will the defendant please rise? In front of this giant fan. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached a verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? She shake that baby. Commonwealth versus Evelyn Mayfield. On the count of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Evelyn Mayfield, not guilty. On the count of okay. murder in the not second degree, degree, we find... Hold on, I'm going to back it up, everybody. I want you to listen for the uh, extra who's in the galley somewhere. The gallery or galley? Gallery. Gallery. Gallery is the, the uh, kitchen on a ship. Yes, you're right. Uh, when they say not guilty, someone from the gallery goes, Oh, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> listen for it. First degree. We find the defendant, Evelyn Mayfield, not guilty. Oh. <laughs> On the count of murder in the second degree. You're totally right. We find the, the defendant, guy. Evelyn Mayfield, guilty. Guilty as hell. The bailiff will take the defendant into custody. Look at her the face. The jury She's is like, dismissed with this. the thanks of the court. We are adjourned. She's creepy. I'm filing a motion for the judge to consider reducing the verdict to manslaughter. I don't expect it to fly. We can appeal, right? Yeah. We'll appeal. We'll win. It won't end like this. It'll be okay, Bobby. Oh, she crazy now. But like the episode's over, we can now have her be just that shit crazy. Just like super creepy. Oh, you did it, Helen. Well done, Hells. You blew it, Bobby. You blew it. And now oh, we're backing shucks. out in the courtroom. All right. And that's it. We have worked our way through Season 3, Episode 9, State of Mind. And if you are still listening, I question yours. Wow. That, uh... That didn't really go a lot of places. I feel like so much happened and nothing happened all at the same time. There, this was a uh, high event, low impact episode. <laughs> but I still have a concussion. Yeah, exactly. And now it's time for... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Okay. Let's work our way through, starting with... Most 
Keith, it's a Christmas swap. We are doing the Christmas swap, Christmas exchange this week. Uh, okay. I always go first, so I'm going to let you uh, lead the charge on the oopsies this week. Oh my God, <clears throat> the world is upside down. The world is upside down. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Okay, well, yeah, I think it's, I think Rebecca uh, lost, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though I I think it was, nece- I, I don't necessarily disagree with the ruling there. Uh, but, uh, you know, who did win, who got the baby shaker in jail, Helen Gamble, Helen Gamble has got to be the MVL for me. Yeah, I I can't, I can't agree more. I mean, if we just go by the script itself, she beat God. So (laughs) that's pretty good. uh, She did. That was pretty good. And, and Bob even said like, you know, she got to him. So so, there you go. I think it's pretty uh, clear cut. Well played Helen. All right, that brings. Oh wait, hold on. You yeah, yeah deserve, let's golf claps. You deserve your applause. Sorry, Helen. You, you, that's right. Helen rarely gets to win, so that's she true. definitely deserves it. All right, next up. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way, Way to, to go! go. You're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest. Actor. Okay, this is an interesting one. Oh, I'm going first. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. you know it's worse to go first. I'm, I'd prefer to go second. Yeah, I know. Me too. I have, I have more control when I'm sitting second. <laughs> That's why I've Christmas swapped you. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I think there are two obvious nominees here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, obviously, you have to look at Kathy Baker. Multiple Emmy winner. She played crazy. She played sane. I believe she was innocent. Then I believe she was guilty. All based on her performance, which was excellent. Uh, And I also have to throw out uh, a really good scene for Tempest Bledsoe as uh, Mrs. Baylor there with a scene with Rebecca. So I thought she did a very good job. But uh, I think I have to go with Kathy Baker. I think she, like, I really loved the she she's able to turn on a dime between crazy in one way crazy in another way insane and uh was able to milk a more interesting performance out of a sort of undercooked case i agree she uh that that last scene of just i think <clears throat> in three seasons of the practice she took i think she gave us the best reaction shot of hearing the verdict mm. it's pretty powerful uh, by not reacting much at all. Uh, but to pull the old Keith Varney switcheroo so that we can oh, get the, no. the double pod, the double uh, Instagram, I'm going to go with Tempest Bledsoe. I thought that she uh, was the catalyst of the probably the best scene in the show, this episode, uh, with her, yeah. Eugene, and Rebecca. And also just, you know, even though it was written almost, that the comic beats with her and... And Rebecca were a little weird, but she still mined them for what they could. She could get out of them, and I, I thought it was a, it was a good turn. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the old splitty to Tempest Bledsoe. Okay, well, congratulations on the splitty, Kathy Baker and Tempest Bledsoe. Congrats on your Oopsie Awards. Next up, 
You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Go for it, buddy. Oh, man. This is a tough one. Yeah, this week is tough. Because nobody really did a lot of acting on this in this episode. Uh, So, you know, because like Dylan just sort of like looked befuddled while attractive women threw themselves at him. Uh, You know, that's easy to play. Uh I I didn't like the portrayal of Rebecca Washington. I didn't like the hostility back and forth. So, uh, you know who I'm I'm going to give this to I thought someone who was just impactful and uh and charming I had a good moment. I'm going to give it to Marlo Sokolov as you know, Lucy Hatcher. I I think that's a really good See, now I feel like I'm going to undercut it, but that's a really I, I like that you are giving her that because she did earn it. She was sort of a, a, a foundational glue for the episode. She kind of held the different the disparaging parts together. However, I think who was more gluey hmm. was indeed Dylan McDermott as Bobby McDonald. Yes, maybe it's not hard to play those things, but it's hard to play the things thirsty, vulnerable, in charge, thirsty, a good lawyer, all those things. Bobby had thirsty. to do it. Bobby had to do it all this week and hold together a pretty disparaged episode, not disparaged, a pretty uh, disassembled episode. So I'm going to go with our good friend Dylan McDermott as Bobby Donnell. And it'll be great because in an episode where they, for no reason, kissed, they're going to have to sit side by side on that Instagram <laughs> four by three box uh, and, and think cohabit. about what they the did. Yeah, okay. Well, congratulations, Dylan McDermott and Marla Sokoloff for your split best actor. Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Speaking uh, of Tom Brady, have you been watching the game thus far? I haven't turned it on yet. Okay, is it, is it, is it DVR'd? Uh, no, I'm just going to pick it up. I, okay. I feel like, you know, there's going to be seven football games I watch... <laughs> or at least seven consecutive games. I'll be watching at least five It'd be or six. Interesting games to know if time. Tom Brady is earning his. Well, he's not playing yet. I thought it's, he was a uh, one o'clock game. It's Tampa Houston. Oh, my bad. Forget it's it. It's the one o'clock. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Tom Brady, uh, you've been cheating. You've been quiet. You have uh, been declining slowly this year. Declining. Mm-hmm. Failing. He's failing. But. You are still Tom Brady. Yep. So my vote for Tom Brady, word for Tom, being Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I have to agree, Keith, and I think it's more an indictment on the bylaws that we passed for this award. We really were, we were short-sighted. Yeah, we, we were maybe a little narrow in our scope. Yeah, but, you know, we're nothing if not consistent. Inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Congratulations, Tom. Oh, we didn't even plan that. Although we have to maintain the little bit of control we do have and so i refuse the golf claps okay tom brady wins the tom brady award for being tom brady but no golf claps okay wait here's let's give it some f- dead air some dead air for tom brady okay there you go okay, tom perfect all right it is now time for ladies and gentlemen it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets 
That's you, buddy. Okay. All right. Well, this... I think before you even start, let's agree that this wasn't great. Oh, oh, I'm gonna... Don't, I'm gonna... I I plan to... You know what? I'm gonna close on this episode. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. Okay. For For the Out of Practice podcast, Keith Varney. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, once a season, there is an episode of The Practice, a show we all love and admire and have devoted a great deal of our life to watching and analyzing and talking about, and it's time well spent. But once a season, there comes an episode so misogynistic you have to, it sheds tires as the episode goes along. An episode in the canon with sex, lies, and monkeys in which a major character gets raped and goes crazy and forgets about it the next episode. Now, I am not stipulating that this episode is as bad as that, but let me just break down a few of the various ways in which this episode was entirely misogynistic. Number one, this episode is has features a long segment about the stupidness of sexual harassment laws. It gets called ridiculous, upside down, and is not challenged. The judge even says, yes, yes it is. But it's not just that. Let's talk about how this episode treats its female characters. Number one, Lucy is a slut. She comes on wearing a kiss me hat all by herself. Then she kisses Bobby Donnell, her boss, who is twice her age. And she just does this because that's what women do. No, it's not what women do. I have never had that happen to me. And I I don't look like Bobby Donnell, but, you know, I, I'm, I exist. I'm old. Objection. Number two. Gross understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Sustained. I will stipulate that I am also very old and also very much not handsome like Bobby. Moving forward. Number two, the character of Helen Gamble gets called vicious. She's she gets referred to as the vicious bitch on the show, and that's just normal. Number three, Lindsay and Helen take place in a literal fetish video in their home, the hot roommates wiping whipped cream all over themselves and uh, laughing while doing it for an extended period before Bobby walks in and they start the porn music. Number four, Mrs. Baylor, the mother, is a woman who cannot control her emotions. She blurts out in court multiple times and loses her shit constantly because she can't control her emotions. Number five, Rebecca also can't control her emotions. Why? Is that part of the character? No, it's because she's talking with another woman and women can't get along according to this show. So she cannot be professional. She just has to fight with the other black woman for no fucking reason. And finally, number six, the character of Kellen, of of Karen, shook a baby to death. 
That is what the women in this care in this show have done. And so I close. I stipulate this episode is worthy of only two and a half tires. Wow. Two and a half tires. That's not even a tricycle. It is not. You can't even trike with that. Wow, two and a half. So the I'd have to give it a ten even to get the average into the. Uh, well, what? The, how many stars do we give Sex Lies and Monkeys? Oh, it doesn't even exist. We wiped it from the canon. The non-canon. Um, no, I am not. I gave Sex Lies and Monkeys one. I am not stipulating that this is as bad as Sex Lies and Monkeys. I didn't think so at all. I mean, while I don't, I won't object to any. I won't disagree with any of the things you said. I definitely thought the, the food fight break in scene definitely did not age well at best <laughs> uh i also am disappointed that i like i mentioned a couple episodes ago i like it when we have a, a, a sing, one of the cases kind of span multiple episodes but the tommy silva case we just we're getting like one scene with tony danza in it every episode if that where it's just like bobby asks and in this case it's bobby asking his opinion about another case and we're still like a very expensive thing to do to have tony danza drop in for one scene every episode and the drama of is jimmy won't jimmy will jimmy do this case is sort of it seems stupid i thought we've already we've already finished that arc that jimmy's part of the team now we all appreciate jimmy and he's fine like why do we now i feel like we're backtracking like well don't don't forget at least three times a season we must have the jimmy is a dumb dumb oh wait no he's a genius episode in fact, I would argue that I agree with Jimmy that it is sort of it's sort of ridiculous that Rebecca, who just got her license, is a partner at the law firm. Yeah, I th- and he's not. It just seems. I so- mean, she was there from the very beginning, but sure. yeah, she was there yeah. as a, an administrative assistant. It's it's all helter skelter. So, but at that being said, misogyny aside, <laughs> my fury towards this episode does not reach the level of yours i don't think it's great but i don't think it's terrible uh, i'm gonna give it sub you know it's i want to say f- four stars four stars okay but only but four and a half tires okay no i just forgot that we called them tires uh four <laughs> four tires four spare oh, tires yeah, four tires okay and you give it two or two and a half Two and a half. Oh Jesus! I, the, you'll do the math in the spreadsheet. <laughs> but it's let's just let's suffice to say that we got a little bit of coal in our in our Christmas stocking from the practice. We sure did. Yeah. Well, the uh, the season rankings definitely took a hit there. We broke the yep. curve a little bit, yes. but uh, that's okay. Sometimes it's fun to be bad. And speaking of bad. You can reach us and tell us just how bad we are at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Join the jury like our new friend this week by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. Just send us an email let us know it's there. We'll read it on the air and welcome you to the jury. You can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast, and on our blog, our blog uh, out of practice podcast.blogspot.com check it out i'm doing a lot of work there nobody's going so and, you know just for fun 
for something that no one was expecting, I'm going to give you a minute of sincerity. It's the end of the year. It's it's the holiday season. Regardless of what you celebrate, know this. Keith and I appreciate your time. We appreciate the time you've spent listening to us, interacting with us. Uh, We do this because it's fun uh, and because we're lonely. But you make us a lot less lonely. We appreciate all the sharing you do, all the interactions. And we sincerely wish you, your loved ones, a happy holiday season, regardless of how you celebrate. And we hope you'll join us in the continuing years to come uh, of celebrating this podcast. (laughs) What you said. Ho, ho, laser sounds. Laser sounds.